This is Tim Staten with Tim Stating the Obvious. What is this podcast about? It's simple. You are entitled to great leadership everywhere you go, whether it's to church, whether it's to work, whether it's at your house, you are entitled to great leadership. And so in this podcast, we take leadership principles and theories and turn them into everyday, relatable, and usable advice. And a quick disclaimer, this show, process, or service by trademark, trademark manufacturer, otherwise does not necessarily constitute an implied endorsement of anyone that I employed by or favors them in representation. The views are expressed here in my show are my own expressed and do not necessarily state or reflect those of any employer. Welcome back, uh, Russell, and thank you for coming back to this episode and as we dive into the second one. Yeah, well, it's great to be back, Kim. And I have I have one request before we get too far into it. There, there was something that I wanted to to revise for that I said in our last episode. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so one of the things I mentioned, you asked me what was like one of the most important characteristics of a leader. And I said, risk taking ability to take risk or the flip side is, you know, to have courage. And on reflection, I think the most important thing for a leader to have is a vision. You've got to have a sense of where you want to go, either yourself individually or your organization or community. And within that vision, you need to have the ability to take risks or the to have courage. So if I could just correct that there. No, that that's great. No, that's awesome. I think vision is incredibly important because you got to know where you're going to go, right? There you go. Okay. So people realize vision is not easy, right? Where you want to go, knowing where you want to go is not a, an easy thing to do. So that's what, that's what makes leaders. No, absolutely. So getting into this episode. So this episode, I know we, we had keyed up last episode with the three topics that we're going to be talking about. And this one, we're really going to be talking about fear and courage. So with that one, I'm just going to turn it over to you and really interested in what you have to say, as you know, you talked about risk and, and you know, taking courage, talked about the vision and the, taking the risk and going into courage. So what really uh, kind of holds us back from being able to, to face that fear and have that courage? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a key question. And to be clear, you know, as a leader, when you stand for something, even if you're standing for like motherhood and apple pie, there's somebody out there who's going to disagree with you. There's somebody out there who's going to say no and criticize you and attack you for it. And that's what I mean. You know, as a leader, you're anytime you stand for something, there are going to be people that oppose you and you need to be able to to withstand that. And then your question knows, what is it that stops us? from standing that? What is it that, that, you know, prevents us from moving forward or prevents us from taking that stand, you know, or be more blunt about it? What has us um, retreat from leadership? It's fear. It's fear. And, and the key thing that I've noticed in my practice is, you know, people, they have this sensation in their bodies that they're afraid, but we really need to look at what it is that we're afraid of. What is the real risk that we're facing? And when you dig down, okay, when you dig down and really look at what we're afraid of, we're we're afraid of failure, of looking like a fool, of being wrong, of being changed. You know, you got to go out there with your vision and somebody may come back with a a better idea or a different way of looking at it. Um, We're afraid of being dominated or of losing, right? We're afraid of being embarrassed or ashamed. But if you look at all those things, you know, failure, being wrong, being changed, all those things, what's really at the base of our fear is feeling uncomfortable feelings, right? So when you fail, you can feel miserable about yourself and you have this bad feeling. 
But that's what we're afraid of is feeling an uncomfortable or an unpleasant feeling, right? So I'm, I'm, to be clear here, the feeling's real. You're going to feel that way, right? But the question you want to ask yourself is, what I want to stand for, is it more important than feeling uncomfortable or feeling un, um, unpleasant feelings? Ultimately, yeah, ultimately what we're afraid of is feeling uncomfortable fear, uh, pains. Uh, I'm sorry, uncomfortable feelings. No, and and that's interesting that you bring that up because as you as you were talking and you were you know listing out all the the byproducts right of of what people are afraid of and you know you went through it's really the uncomfortable feelings um, and one qu- and one aspect that really kind of jumped out at me was the the fear of having your opinion changed or being changed. How often do you feel that that one is probably more prevalent? Or which one of those is the most prevalent um, issue or underlying fear? Uh, besides the uncomfortable feelings part, which one is probably the most prevalent that you see? You know, it, it, it so varies by individual. It so varies by individual. Fear of failure, I'd probably put close to the top. People are worried that if they fail, their social reputation will be damaged, their, their uh, status among their family or their friends will be damaged, and they will feel bad about themselves, right? That's probably the most common one. But I want to be clear, just something you said, and you said aside from uncomfortable feelings, all of these things that I listed are um, result in uncomfortable feelings. So at the base of it, it's the uncomfortable feeling that we're trying to avoid. It's the painful feeling that we're trying to avoid. Kind of going into a growth mindset, you know, with, with dealing with uncomfortable feelings. You know, you say failure was at the top. Mm-hmm. Are do you find that people with a growth mindset are still susceptible to all these uncomfortable feelings or people who have a more um, stronger growth mindset are able to overcome these uncomfortable feelings better? Yeah, that's a good question. First of all, you, you, you don't overcome uncomfortable feelings. They're there. They're part of life. Here's the deal. With, with a growth mindset, people who have, have growth mindset or even people who have confidence, what they're willing to do is they're willing to risk the likelihood of feeling uncomfortable in order to pursue their vision, pursue what it is they want to accomplish. So that's the distinction. I, and actually, there's a really good way to put it. I like to say we have a choice in life. We have a choice in life to play the game of life or whatever game we're playing, right? the game of making a difference in the world as a leader or a difference in your community. We have that choice of either playing that game not to lose or to play the game to win, right? Play the game not to lose or play the game to win. And what I mean by playing not to lose is to play a really small game where we don't risk painful feelings, right? So if you want to play a game of not to lose is you withdraw from, the, from leadership. You withdraw, you go back on your couch and sit and watch Netflix. Right. If you're not challenging yourself, you're playing not to lose because you don't want to risk having those uncomfortable feelings. Playing to win, playing big means that you're going to go for something and you're risking the likelihood. Right. You, you can't you can't go after anything big and not fail or not be rejected or not have setbacks. That's just part of the of the story. So you're going to play big at the risk of feeling uncomfortable you know you will feel uncomfortable if you go after something big, right? So it's the willingness to accept that risk, the willingness to live with failure or rejection or, or being, you know, losing in a conflict. Yeah, no, that, that's powerful right there. Especially, 
I, I love how you say playing not to lose. Cause I can see how often people play it safe. And then when you play it safe, you, you typically don't come out on top. Um, you know, especially you know, if you watch sports, uh, you know, those, those, those teams that kind of play it safe cause they don't want to, they don't want to lose. They end up losing anyway. And then, those that either go big or go home mm-hmm. usually go big or they go home. Uh, and I I think of like, you know, the New York Giant, Giants or the Yankees in that aspect. Either they're really good or they're not. Yeah. Well, two things. One, you might go big and end up going home, right? You might lose by going big. There's just no guarantee that you're going to win. True. But I want to bring it even back to our daily lives, right? You're sitting in a, in a meeting with a bunch of big execs all around you and you've got a question and you don't raise your hand because you don't want to look like a fool. It might be a dumb question. You're playing not to lose. You're playing not to lose when you don't raise your hand, right? Yes. Right? So it's even that quotidian, it's that small an issue where you're playing not to lose in, in life. And really what I would challenge any of the listeners is to look around in their lives where is it that they're not raising their hand? Where is it they're playing not to lose or they're playing to go home instead of to win, right? And I will guarantee you that all of us at some level are playing not to lose for when the stakes get high enough, we're playing not to lose. And the value of this distinction is that you can see when you're playing not to lose versus playing to win, right? And then you can put yourself at choice. So this is really important. You can put yourself a choice. I can say, Russell, are you going to play this particular situation, this particular game, this particular event in your life? Are you going to play it not to lose or are you going to play to win? You put yourself a choice. And you might say, you know, stakes are too high. I'm going home. I'm going to play not to lose. But other times you say, you know what? This is worth it. I will risk feeling uncomfortable. I will bust through my fear and play the big game here. Well, what I'd like to do, you know, for for the listeners is use this distinction, all right, in your own lives so that you step into your fear, okay? Ask, you know, put yourself a choice. Am I going to do this, whatever is before me, this challenge, am I going to do it not to to lose or am I going to do it to win, right? And then the other thing is, just to come back to what you said earlier, the fear that you face, I mean, you might get axed. Like you say, you might get fired, but be careful because most of the fears that we face are fears of being uncomfortable. That's your fear, your fear of being uncomfortable. That's what stops us. And, you know, fear is a funny thing because we all have it. Every one of us has it. Anytime you reach the outer limits of your comfort zone, you're going to get afraid. And that's okay. That's part of being human, right? The people that don't have fear, you know, they're usually the sociopaths. They're the people you don't really want to hang around with. A lot of my clients, The way they manage fear is they say, well, I'll wait till it goes away. You know what? It never goes away. If you wait for it to go away, or I have a classic example. I had a client once who was seeing me, who's working with me as a coach, was seeing her therapist, right? And she was seeing some kind of shaman or or tarot card reader. I don't know. She was seeing three different people, three different things. And she had a major decision in her life. She had a major decision where when she made that decision, a lot of people were going to be upset with her, right? It was you know, quite frankly, whether to run for governor of a state or not, okay? And she didn't want to be governor. She wanted to do something else. But she had all these expectations, all these hopes were being placed on her. And I said to her, what do you want from the coach? What do you want from your therapist? What do you want from your your shaman, right? And she said, well, I want to figure out what to do. And I said, you know what to do. What you're looking for is you're looking from all of us 
is you want us to give you a magic pill to make the fear go away. And you know what? It's not going to go away. You're just going to have to do what you want to do. And she eventually did it. She pulled the plug, right? And people got upset at her. <laughs> she said it was the hardest thing she ever did in her life, and she's so glad she did it. Right? But the point I was making there is that she had hired all of us to get rid of her fear, and it's not going to go away. She just has to step through it. Yeah, no, I I fully fully hear you on that one. I could think of several times where um, I've been in situations and fear never goes away. The nervousness, I think, associated with fear um, kind of diminishes a little bit. Uh, but it, that fear in itself, in the back of your mind, that never goes away. Um, so how do we deal with it? So, like, I know you mentioned, um, you know, that this one client that you had, she hired all these people to help her kind of make a decision and validate and make her fear go away. But how do you how do we deal with fear so that way we can step through it and work through it? Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the sixty four thousand dollar question, isn't it? Well, one is to recognize that it's part of being human, that any time you put yourself at a challenge, there's going to be fear. I mean, there's going to be excitement and, 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 and commitment and, and inspiration, all kinds of things wrapped into it. And there's going to be fear. Right. Anytime you're a leader, you're going to be criticized. You're going to be you're going to be judged. And if, you, and, <clears throat> and if you're afraid of that, fine, that's part of it. But how do you step through it? Well, the first thing is one to distinguish it. Ask yourself, what is it you're really afraid of? And and as, as I said, most of the time, it's uncomfortable feelings. It can also be things like fear of losing your job, you know, fear of, of physical injury. If, if the challenge you're you're doing is like jumping out of airplanes or climbing cliffs, you know, or something like that. There's <clears throat> there's certainly those kinds of those type of realistic, authentic fears, right, of, of physical, physical harm or, or financial or, or, or career status. But really identify what's the fear. Our tendency when we're afraid to do something is to catastrophize, is to blow up the risks, right? If I pick up the phone and ask this woman out for a date and she says no, right, no one's going to like me again. We take it really personally. We it, we we make that no mean that I'm not lovable or I'm, I'm um, you know, not worthy of, of having a partner. We catastrophize, we, ex- we, we exaggerate the risk. So one thing you want to do is really ground your risk, ground that risk in reality. What is it that I have to lose here? Two, right, is you know, put, your, put yourself a choice. Is what I'm fighting for more important than, than, than what I'm risking? Three is to realize, you know, the fear doesn't go away. What we want to build is your courage. So courage is the ability to step through the fear, to not be stopped by your fear. And courage is like a muscle. You got to practice. The more you practice, the more you develop the courage, the easier it is to step through that fear. And just want to say something on, about courage. So courage, we don't hear much of that in the culture these days. It's, it's, it's kind of curious to me. The ancient Greeks saw courage as the foundational virtue, that without courage, you couldn't have, you couldn't um, exercise any of the other virtues because they all depended on courage. So for a leader, one of the virtues to develop in themselves is this courage, the ability to step through your fear. That's a really great point, because you you mentioned that we have 
we tend to catastrophize things, right? So uh, when we're dealing with our uncomfortable feelings, what about the our ability to self-eliminate before we even start because of a fear? So I know in the last episode, we talked about the guy who was afraid of rejection. So he decided to get rejected a whole bunch of times and then found out like it wasn't that bad catastrophizing uh, phase that people go through when they deal with this. What are some of the other tendencies that people tend to do? Because I kind of want people as they listen to this kind of think about, well, what boat do I fit in? So that way, if I do decide to get a, a leadership coach, I can at least go, Hey, you know what? I heard this talk and I think I may be, you know, doing this. And this is kind of like a boat I, I, I fall in or maybe even recognize a behavior that they may not know exists and go, Hey, you know what? I could use some coaching on this. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So, so catastrophizing is one is what we call a cognitive distortion. It's where we kind of warp reality in service of a concern, a concern we have. So the concern we have here is we're afraid and the way to justify our fear is to exaggerate the risks, right? If I call this woman up, a, a meteor is going to take out the, the, the planet, right? That's an example of an extreme catastrophizing, extreme catastrophizing. But cognitive distortions, right? I believe, I believe there's a Wikipedia page of cognitive distortions. They've got two or 300 listed there. But there, there are a handful of really common ones that we all do at some level. Catastrophication, catastrophication is, is one of them, right? Another one, this is one that really stops us, is mind reading. Thinking we know what somebody else is thinking. Right? Thinking we know how somebody else is going to react to us when we do something. Right? We barely know ourselves. We definitely don't know our neighbors, even people you've been married to for years. Mind reading is a way of stopping ourselves. So often what we do is we project our, our fears of being judged into somebody else. Right? And so that we don't do what we want to do because we think this other person is going to judge us as we would judge them. Right? So mind reading is a, is, a, is, a, uh, is a common and very debilitating cognitive distortion. Another one is, is um, it's called the generative fallacy, is we discount something we, say, we hear because the person who said it. Okay. I mean, the real common thing was what happened with Claudine Gay. A lot of pe a lot of her defenders were discounting charges of plagiarism because they came from the right. They said, it's not true. Because it's, look who's saying this. It's like if Adolf Hitler told you to brush your teeth twice a day, you're gonna say, I'm not going to do it because Hitler said it. That's a generative fallacy, right? Another cognitive distortion. You want to look at the evidence, not who's presenting the evidence. How many more do you want to go? Like I say, there are many, many out there. I would encourage people to go look at the uh, Wikipedia page on cognitive distortions and notice what is it in you? What are the cognitive distortions that you use that keep you stuck, that keep you from moving forward, that keep you from playing, keep you playing small? Right. Because I, I don't how, how often do you encounter a client who doesn't realize their these behaviors every day? Same clients. <laughs> It's funny how transparent our reasoning is to ourselves. Now, I'll give you an example. So I'm working with a client, you know, uh, in the tech industry, high-performing high 
um, moving up in, in, in his industry. He's, he's in his fifties and, um, he wants to change jobs. He wants to change careers and he's stuck. So he hired me. And one of the things he said is I really like to consider this particular gener- uh, direction, right? But it'll take me six months of research to get there. And I don't have six months. And so I asked him, well, where do the six months come from? Why is it one month or why isn't it 12 months? He says, oh, it's just a guess. And I said, what's the benefit to you? In what way does six, guessing six months serve you? And he sits and he thinks about it. He says, well, if it's, that, if it's six months, then I don't have to do it. Do you get that? If it's six months, it's too much, and therefore I don't have to do it. So he made a guess. He had no data. He just made a guess. But the purpose of that guess was to keep him stuck, keep him in the status quo. In other words, to play, not to lose. And that's, and that's a great point, because oftentimes uh, there is actually a time management. Um, it's, a, it's a specific theory that says whatever time that you say it's going to take to do something, that's usually how much time it ends up taking to do it. So if you say this is going to take me two hours to do, well, it's usually going to take you two hours to do. But if you take that same task, and you say it's going to take me 20 minutes. It may take you 20 minutes. It may take you 30 minutes, but it's definitely not going to take you two hours as that fallacy that you brought up of. Well, if it's if I set a date too far off and I tell myself I don't have time to do it, I'm not going to get to do it. So I'm automatically limiting myself and my leadership and that ability. So I think that was a very interesting point that you brought up. Yeah, we we create our world. And we often create our world to keep us stuck. And we keep ourselves stuck because it's comfortable, it's safe in there. We don't have to step beyond our comfort zone. We don't have to step beyond our familiar. And so a good part you asked me, you know, how often do I run into people? I, I run into people all the time. I, I notice myself doing it. We create a world to keep us comfortable. And leadership is not about comfort. No, absolutely. And I, and I often say, if you don't like the, the reality you're living in, you need to create the one that you would rather live in uh, because our our actions will ultimately dictate that reality. There, there are some things out of our control, but ultimately we have a big part in how we view our world and how we play it around us. And, and you really hit the head on that um, with, with, with what you just explained with how you, you know, interact with your clients and what they come in every single day on. So one last question that I have about this is, when you talked about courage, and and I agree with you, we don't talk about courage as much in 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 society these days. So, how would you offer up that we develop a pattern so we can increase courage? Like, what is what is something that we can do to increase courage daily or weekly, or what is something that we can do to go? You know what? I am going to develop courage by doing X, Y, and Z because I realize I'm not that great at it. Uh, that's exactly the way you do it. I like to say you go as far as you possibly can and then take one more step. And usually when you take that one more step, nothing happens. And the next time you need to go that distance, then the fear starts, the fear of that distance starts diminishing. But okay, I'll say, okay, you go that one more step and now take the other step and then the fear comes back. So I I misspoke a little bit when I say the fear never goes away. The fear goes away if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you get desensitized. You realize that the risk isn't that isn't as bad as you thought, or the, the rewards are worth the risk. But the fact is that as a leader, a leader in your in your own life or a leader in your um, your community or in your organization, you're always going to be challenging yourself. You're always going to be going further, and that's what I mean when the risk doesn't go, the uh, fear doesn't go away, because you're always challenging yourself. You're always stepping beyond your comfort zone. No, that's a great point. And so, so go one step. So go as far as you can to take another step in practicing your courage. 
I think that's a great uh, analogy on how to do that. And really, that's all it is. That's all it is. Now, it also helps to have tools. Have, you know, you can be skillful or unskillful in whatever you're doing. And if you're skillful about it, it's easier to take that additional step. So that's, again, something that helps uh, working with a coach is you develop these tools. You develop the skillfulness right, that enables you to do what you didn't think you could do. So that come, and so that helps support your courage, support your confidence. Right. And, and so, so one tool would be hiring a leadership coach like yourself. So why don't you tell everybody real quick, because I know I'm going to put the links down below uh, and, you know, in the, in the description, in the comments of, of this podcast episode, but why don't you tell us and, and everyone out there how they can reach out to you, uh, if they feel like, you know, you're a great fit for them. Super. Thank you. So I do have a website. It's russellheath.net. Um, two S is two L's and Russell, or just Google Russell Heath coach and I will uh, pop up. And I really enjoy working with leaders, people who want to make a difference either in their own lives or in their communities or in their organizations. And my goal in working with, with you is, is what I say, develop your personal mastery, your ability to face any situation, staying centered, staying calm, and bringing people along with you. That's key with leadership is bringing people with you. Too many people want it their own way and they are divisive as opposed to inclusive. So, if that's you, if that's what you want to do is make a difference in your own life, your community, your organizations, let's talk. Absolutely. And uh, Russell, I, I've had a great time talking with you today and I look forward to our next episode. So what are we going to be talking about in our next episode? All right. So in the next episode, our feelings, right? This is, this is funny because we are an emotional, we are emotional creatures. We like to think we're rational, but now we're emotional creatures and in too many situations, particularly in the corporate world, we tend to ignore the feelings and we do so at our risk. And so I want to talk about how we manage and live with feelings and how we leverage them both so that we're better leaders, but that we live a more enriched life, right? It's our feelings that make life worth living. So let's, let's learn how to manage or, or work with our feelings in such a way that they work for us and not against us. So it's a big, I mean, this is an endless topic. Um, but it's a very important one. No, absolutely. And so uh, I think it's very interesting on how you set this up. So we talked about, we set the stage with the first episode, this episode, we talked about dealing with uncomfortable feelings and being comfortable being uncomfortable and how to do that. And we, you said you, you develop courage to overcome the risk that you're taking and overcome your fear. And in the next episode, we're going to be talking about feelings again and how to deal with them. I think that's really awesome uh, on how you set that up. So I really appreciate it. And, and thanks for thanks for stopping by on this episode. And I look forward to seeing you on the next one. Well, thank you, Tim. I'm honored and I'm looking forward to the next one as well. As always, thank you for stopping by and checking out this episode and listening to it. I really hope that you enjoyed it. Before we go, I'd like to ask a favor of you if I could. If you could please share this episode with one or two people who you think might like this topic. If you haven't followed or subscribed on the platform that you're listening to and hit all the bells and icons and all the whistles so that you know that when we post another episode, you'll be alerted, please go ahead and do all that before you go. If you got some value out of this episode, please leave a review or a comment so we can help spread the show to other people who might be interested in the topics that we've talked about here today, but may not have found our show yet. Again, thanks for stopping by. I'm Tim Staten, stating the obvious.